Welcome to Stupsin. Stupsin is a series of Dharma talks by Anthony Osler, Dai Chong Osho, the guiding teacher at Poplar Grove Zendo in South Africa, and a former Zen monk. The talks draw from traditional Zen teachings and koans to make them relevant wherever we live and whatever life we lead. If you feel inspired by these teachings and would like to make an offering to support Stupsin, you can go to our website, stupsin.co.za, to find out how. I, I always get a mixture of nervousness and excitement before this monthly talk, in part because uh, I somehow have it in the back of my mind all month, and in part because I've had some wonderful funerals this last month that I wanted to tell you about. I know my family think it's a bit perverse, but for me, it doesn't feel like that. There's a there's a, a, a quality of realness about people uh, in the vicinity of death, and the sheer juxtaposition of heartache and and tenderness uh, feels to me like a real waking up and the the sheer genuineness that arises in moments like that feel to me uh, to be deeply precious. I know that uh, more cynical people will say, well, funerals are times when people uh, say what they don't mean. And that may be so. Uh, maybe I'm deluded, but I, I don't mind being deluded. It's not a new experience anyway. I think it's more that people change what they mean and that the meaning doesn't arise out of our narrower judgmental minds but but from something something more startling, something uh, some kind of astonishment that uh, this life is broader than than we normally think of it and and precious in a in a different kind of way which opens our hearts which allows us to weep uh, to laugh and and to feel a warmth towards creation that that uh, is sometimes quite difficult to maintain. <laughs> One of the 
strange features of 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 Buddhism and of of Zen and perhaps of any religion. I'm not sure. Um, at least in 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 the in the broad Buddhist uh, movement, uh, is that the figure of the Buddha represents some kind of uh, equanimity in the face of change, in the face of impermanence, uh, of birth, suffering and death. And that that kind of equanimity is a kind of imperviousness to suffering. that somehow uh, if we follow the Buddha we will uh, be protected from the slings and arrows of this life. Uh, Zen as a defense. Uh, for me that's, that's just simply not how I, I know it. For me, the, the, the figure of the Buddha sitting in, in balance and equanimity amidst whatever happens is, is not a... a, a uh, a delinking of experience with what's happening in the world, but rather a kind of allowing of the world to touch, to touch oneself deeply, deeply. And that that can only arise out of the kind of boundless heart that goes beyond our isolated attachment self, our me self, our identification with, with our thinking and judgmental self and anxious and fearful self that the equanimity that is our model in this practice is one that arises out of our willingness and commitment to, to being part of this life in all its manifestations from birth, sickness, ill health through to death and beyond and that it's not just about uh, my relationship with people but my relationship with with everything that is part of my life the trees, the lambs, the rain, the glorious sunsets So that Zen, at least 
in, as I see it, as I feel it, is, is just the willingness to, to allow the world to, to be part of oneself <clears throat> without withdrawing, without standing aside from it and judging it. So in, in that context, death is um, part of this life in, in a very, in just a very ordinary way. Of course, it never feels ordinary when one's close to it, and that's, that's part of it, that one allows one's heart to be broken. But the aliveness of allowing one's heart to be broken is very precious and or feels very precious and feels like an intimate part of our path. One of our uh, Sangha friends uh, had a, a, a deep loss uh, recently. Uh, when a baby was not uh, carried to term. And when we spoke some time after that, she was saying how many tears they'd wept and how kind everybody had been. And that both these experiences had had made it something memorable. That this was an event that changed her life. Not denying for one inch the, the sadness, the utter sadness of it, and not diminishing in any respect the response of people of generosity and kindness and and sympathy intimacy so in in that way yeah death is is a is a strong uh, part of our experience of course we don't seek it but when it comes, if we're willing to turn and face it, it is, it is deeply precious. My own <coughs> teacher, uh, Joshu Sasaki Roshi, um, he loved funerals. He, he didn't like weddings so much. And whenever he was asked to preside at a wedding, he'd always... Um, make some excuse but he loved funerals he would say funeral ah death very clear very clear no problem no doubt everybody crying everybody crying 
and everybody waving bye-bye, bye-bye. It is wonderful. Uh, he lived till 108, so maybe there was some resistance in him, but that's how he spoke of it uh, to us. Uh, another interesting uh, part of this uh, little discussion is is that there is, at least in the sort of mainstream religious uh, side of of all Buddhist traditions, um, a set of beliefs that, uh, mm. that that arise at this time, that in some communities are, are followed quite rigorously. Beliefs that uh, there's a there's going to be a rebirth, and that if you're lucky enough, it'll be a, a rebirth in in Santon. Uh, or in a country that is more uh, has less electricity problems, um, and so on, uh, and that if you manage to follow the prescriptions for 49 days, you might you might get a reward, or you might be welcomed into one of the many heavens, to Shita heavens, or into the arms of Amida Buddha or some celestial being. I, I have to confess that I've never been able to believe in those as much as I wanted to because I really liked the idea of having a better option somewhere along the line. But I couldn't in any honesty believe it. Uh, for me, I was. Uh, it feels more intriguing and and alive to me to be willing to uh, to walk into the unknown and not to try and make the unknown known, as if it will somehow there thereby mean be more uh, correct in some way or more enlightened. So I, I need to say that if anybody asks me to chant in Tibetan for 49 days, I, I'm not going to be able to make it. There are some of our Sangha who will do it much better than me. And that if you ask me to weep with you, I will weep with you. And if you show me how to chant, I'll chant for you. And, and that seems to me to be as much as I can, I can give, and I give it fully. Recently, and just following up on the the question uh, of, of of funerals, I was uh, one of a family member of one of our neighbours died, and 
I traveled off to a funeral um, some hours away from Poplar Grove. And I don't know if you all know how it is on isolated farms in the Karoo, but it's a bit like uh, walking back into the 19th century. And there were the, the, the family of the white farmer and all their neighbors uh, dressed uh, quite casually in open necks except for a few elderly men like myself who, who were in ties and suits. And at the back row are all the farm staff dressed in their most beautiful clothes to give this moment its deep respect. And it was difficult not to notice the kind of uh, social patterns that were uh, entrenched in that situation. But after the speeches and, and the tributes to the, the matriarch of the uh, tribe there who had died, um, a, a middle-aged black man made his way on crutches up the aisle between the seats uh, to stand in the middle of of the gathering and to tell us how he had uh, been crippled by polio as a baby and how the deceased had taken him up from uh, his parents' house and looked after him and given him medical treatment and bought him crutches and taught him to read and sent him to school and how, how he had made this life for himself in the big city. And because of her. And it, that speech, the heartfeltness of it, and the sheer magnificence of the story just changed everybody there it 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 changed their their lives such simple things that that appear at moments like that when we are called to be more real and we are called to open our hearts in ways we hadn't always expected. So for me, these uh, funerals, which are often uh, moments of great humor as well, uh, 
the, the kind of loosening of ourselves seems seems to happen there um, in the in the very midst of grief and if we then look at that in the in the context of our of our, our practice, spiritual practice, our Zen practice or whatever practice we we have. It, it is the same process of of opening out into this world to somehow uh, not always be trying to reinforce the view from our small self, from our attachment self. That our practice is this grief, is this laughter, is this warmth, is this genuineness. We don't know about the bardo and rebirth we don't know about the dogma of enlightenment and transmission. What we do know is that when this life touches us, we are changed. We are opened out. And sometimes, like with funerals or with... with um, births uh, the event itself works its magic if we're willing to stand in its light and sometimes we go back to the very uh, ordinariness of our zazen, of our sitting meditation practice of the rituals that we follow of little exercises day by day moment by moment of putting our judgment self and our fearful self and our panic self aside in order to allow something very immediate and simple and real to be part of us and to allow us to be part of this wider context this wider boundlessness that is always there when we open our eyes. As the Heart Sutra says, the figure of compassion moving in the course of wisdom gone beyond opens her eyes. That is the heart of the Heart Sutra. 
we don't have to become a certain kind of person. We don't have to become anything. We just have to be ourselves in the widest possible sense. And our zazen, and our zoom practice, and our chanting, and our bowing are all just that. Just moments of commitment to dropping this attachment self with all its sufferings and anxieties. And we don't have to create another world, another rebirth. That's what's there when we put ourselves down. And so we just have to open our eyes and see what is in front of us. Open our ears and hear what's around us. And feel in our hearts the genuineness of this life in its simple, elemental fullness. And that's the quality that we take into our daily lives as best we can and as stumblingly as we can and as inadequately as we can. But that's our commitment. That's our commitment. And that's what we ask of this life that we are able to live it with genuineness and sincerity to such a depth that our vision is boundless and our compassion has no end. What a wonderful privilege it is Thank you so much.